Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the Future of Email. My guest today, a uh, a, a, a a gent who's closer to my age than most guests, <laughs> Misha Zvegensoft. Did I get it right? Matthew, amazing. Well done. All right, Misha. Tell tell me about Misha, man. We we are getting acquainted live on the air here, man. Yeah. Yep. So pleasantly surprised when I jumped on and saw that we are relatively close in age yeah yeah so many people in the marketing podcasting space online marketing space yeah. are are uh, the younger generation puppies man they're just puppies they, they are puppies <laughs> and, and speaking of that too it's funny when when you get to see the puppies have some success they think they have it figured out and it's yeah. nowhere to go but up but yeah it's like yeah. well <laughs> hang yeah. in there for a little bit because little it, bit. it will rain right so you went from stay-at-home dad to yoga to really building marketing and a, and a brand. And tell me about the business. Yeah. So I help people guest speak on podcasts. Well, really what I like to say is I help people go on an influence tour. And that mm -hmm. all starts with guest speaking on podcasts. Mm -hmm. So we start to guest speak on podcasts, getting our message out there in a big way. So many benefits of that, which I can... Oh, say quickly but there's obviously the call to action where i literally can say hey everybody if you like what i'm talking about you can join my influence army that's what my membership is called that okay. i help people guest speak on podcasts mm -hmm. it's called the influence army I go to go to badzuck.com again b-a-d-z-u-c-k.com join my influence army and we'll start getting you on podcasts so there's that power right there anyone listening right now yeah right um, and then podcasting. So sometimes the host will direct, direct recommend us to someone. So mm -hmm. by the time we're done with this conversation, you are probably going to know a couple of people who are at least our age and perhaps some youngsters, but you're like, Hey, I think you need to talk to Misha because this guy is smart, savvy, has been through it. He can help you. And so you might make a direct recommend sure sure yep sometimes the hosts themselves will use the services by the time we're all said and done here matthew you might go wow i need to be guest speaking on more podcasts so help me mm. right connect a uh, lot of people what what got you interested in this yeah boy that's such a great question so i i'm old school sales i was uh, feet on the street sales for 20 years some combination of door-to-door -door as in business to business so mm -hmm. in the 2000 early 2000s late 1999 2000 and such i was i was in the tech space going door-to-door -door, business to business selling it infrastructure okay then next thing you know i, I just i have oh boy built telemarketing teams. I've literally made a million hand-dialed phone calls myself, then started using auto dialers, things wow. like that. Yep. Then I started sending out massive flyer campaigns to get the phone to ring and, and building scripts and doing all those sorts of things. The bulk of my sales experience was in the home mortgage industry. So from about 2001 to about 2015, somewhere in there, funded you know, $1.5 billion in home loans. And that's a lot of houses, a lot that's of a lot refinances. Of yeah. yeah. But anyway, mentors back in at those times were Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar. I would have those tapes literally yeah. on my yeah. Walkman and autoplay. Uh, but fast forward to 2012 timeframe, 10, somewhere in there, divorce, parent, both parents died in rapid succession what else happened uh you know financial distress career upheaval more failed relationships and all of a sudden i found myself as a single dad needing to get my boys through school and just the universe was like you need to retire and get your boys through school mm. yeah by the grace of god i had a you know enough money in the bank to retire i'll never forget the day i went to my boss and and said, hey, man, I, I quit. I'm done. I'm retiring. And he goes, we'll match whatever offer you have out there. 
And I said, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm done. I'm retiring. I quit. There, there are offers that can't be matched. <laughs> exactly. And this was 2014, 15. I've lost track of the exact timeline. But he looked me straight in the eyes and said, man, I wish I could quit too. <laughs> I'll never forget it. But anyway, I so then I so I retired and my focus was hold space for those two boys, get them through grade school, get them through high school. Mm -hmm. I love yoga, meditation, all the mindfulness practices. And so basically I became a substitute yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. So I'm in Encinitas, California, perhaps the Mecca of West Coast yoga. And there's plenty of classes to sub, to be a sub teacher. So it really just allowed me to hold space for those boys, make their lunches, get them to swim lessons. I loved reading in my boys' classes. I don't know if you ever had an opportunity to do that, but loved that. Um, but anyway, as one son got out of high school and moved out and the other one was getting ready to, Intuitively, I knew that I would have an opportunity to express myself entrepreneurially, be an entrepreneur again, marketing sales. I love all that stuff, marketing, sales, entrepreneuring. And so uh, I got in Russell Brunson's funnel. You know who mm. Russell mm -hmm. Brunson yeah, is? Sure. Click, Le click yeah. funnels, right? Yeah, click funnels, right. So he's a master online marketer, and yeah. I ended up in his in his ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And of course, being a type compulsive, I jumped right into his $25,000 a year coaching program. This was a few years ago by now. And I'll never forget it. I was talking to Waylon who was 17, 18 at the time, just about to graduate from high school. And I said, Hey, Waylon, um, I found this guy, Russell Brunson. You know, I can't wait to jump back into online marketing, bring, bring all this old school feet on the street experience into the, into the, you know, the new world of this digital marketing. And I said, Hey, it's going to cost $25,000 a year. I can't believe I told him that, but also it's going to take a lot of time away that I had from, from you. And he said, Hey dad, you know, I got my girlfriend, I've got my job. I'm just about to graduate, got college dialed in, do it. You, you know, you don't need to babysit me anymore. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So just dove straight in. And fast forward to, I'm going to all these masterminds, you know, in Mexico and Arizona and Florida, just meeting thousands of entrepreneurs, literally. I start a podcast, which is called The Table Rush Talk Show. Right away, Russell Brunson is like, start a, start a podcast. So I start it. So I'm interviewing people, interviewing people. I do an online virtual summit. I'm interviewing people. I'm traveling around the world talking to entrepreneurs. And it becomes very clear, very quick that us entrepreneurs are horrible at telling our own stories. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then we're also horrible at telling our, our stories through our customers' eyes. One of the things that Russell Brunson is so gifted at and taught me and I saw is, is getting those customer testimonials dialed in, mm -hmm. getting them on camera, getting them written, uh, and then being able to tell, tell your company story through your customer's eyes. Mm. Nice. Right. Yeah. 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 So I'm seeing all this happening and I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing all these people. I love people's stories too. I was a home loan officer. So I talked to thousands of people. And one of the questions you have to ask is, what do you do? What's your two-year work history? And my niche in the home loan business was CEO, CEOs, CIOs, CTOs, GMs, VPs. I had just gravitated. I have a finance degree, all this stuff, can speak interest rates, blah, 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 blah. So would just be fascinated by what these entrepreneurs were doing, what these VPs were doing. So it was really easy and natural for me to have those conversations. Anyway, uh, I'm going along. So all of a sudden people start paying me to get their customer video testimonials. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So I'm flying. Yeah. I'm flying around. Yeah. Right. So people are like, okay, 
you're good at interviewing people. You're yeah. personable. You know, I ask great questions. I, you basically want to get the customer story arc. That's what I call it, that framework, get the customer story arc. And so I'm getting, I got flown to Ireland to get customer testimonials there all around the United States. Anyway, I'm getting all these customer testimonials being relatively new to the online marketing space, even though I'm getting paid, I have horrible imposter syndrome, right? Where I'm like, am I adding value? Do I know what I'm doing? <laughs> Is this going anywhere? Should I be putting myself out there? Yeah. Two things happened really quick in quick succession. One of my customers, her name is Stacy Oliver. I wake up one morning to an email from her that says, Misha, you're the only one that moves the needle in my business. She said, I pay all these other people and they nothing happens. She says, I pay you and you drive revenue for me. Nice. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I am adding value. My my old school knowledge is serving in this new realm. And at the same time, coincidentally, I'd had a buddy. His name is Ryan Lipsy. And he's a, a title officer. So in real estate, if you buy a house or do a refinance, you need a title to show that who owns the house, blah, 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 blah. But he's been doing it forever. He's got this massive realtor following. And he had been harassing me saying, Misha, I need you to teach my realtors how to get video testimonials from their customers. Nice. Yeah. Yep. And then I'm pretty savvy with repurposing that content. And he's like, you got to show them how to turn that into micro content, into reels, TikToks, all these things. So he'd been harassing me. Finally, he broke me down after a few months and I said, okay. So I get on his show, what's called the Small Business Spotlight. And I talk about my perfect video testimonial system, my five-step system for getting your customers to gladly do your selling for you. Hey, thank you, Apple. Look at that. <laughs> we got fireworks. <laughs> we got fireworks. <laughs> I need to turn that off. Um, so <laughs> I crush it. I absolutely crush it. And I was like, I'm adding value. I've got a story to tell. I can tell the story. I need to go on a podcast tour. So I do this crazy Facebook post where I go, I'm going to go on this podcast tour. I'm going to teach everybody how to get their customer video testimonials, but I'm going to bring all my old school sales and marketing knowledge into it. So I'm going to create the scripts. How do you find the podcast emails? How do you find the shows? What do you say? Just all the stuff, right? And I go, who would want those assets? And I got this flood of engagement and I was like, oh my gosh, like people have a story to tell and they need help telling it. And I was like, that's it. Light bulb went off. I can help people guest speak on podcasts and use all my stuff. But that's to take a, give you a, a relatively long answer, mm. <laughs> but I hope that answers it. No, that's, uh, that's actually quite, quite fascinating on a whole bunch of levels. Two quick backup questions. Where in Wyoming and how the heck did you get from finance to this kind of marketing acumen? <laughs> yeah, boy, that's another great question. So Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Okay, so, nice place, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah, Teton Village, yep. the big ski area, yeah, if you're yeah. a skier. So yeah, I grew up skiing, fishing, camping, yep. snowboarding. Yeah. Um, early days of snowboarding. Yeah, early days of snowboarding. As a matter of fact, I was, <laughs> yeah, so... I started snowboarding in 1985, 1986. Yeah, early. Yeah. And before that, I'd been riding snurfers. I don't yep. know if you remember. Yep. I remember the snurfer, yep. the leash on the front, baby snowboard, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So I would climb Teton Pass, which is in Wilson, Wyoming, just yep. outside of Jackson, and we'd snurf down it. Anyway, I'm graduating. I'm in senior of high school, and I see somebody on a, on a Burton snowboard, like the one of the first ones around yep. the time and i was like yep. that is insane i need the yeah, yeah. that <laughs> so anyway i start snowboarding but i was literally the first snowboarder oh, on bad. many of oh, the bad. ski areas yeah. in oh, the bad. west coast oh, california bad. colorado utah Jet, wyoming targhee like they i would be that and we were we were all of us before you got banned time. right 
before we got banned. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we were on the race to see who could yeah. notch, you know, the first, yeah. first, first border on the lift. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, I, um, what happened was, is I, I started in financial services, my sales. So I, I, I had moved to San Francisco Bay area and I, I was what, four, five, six, seven years out of college. I had been a snowboard instructor. I was a pro snowboarder. So I was in the magazines, things like that, but I kept getting injured. And so I was like, I, I gotta get, I gotta get my life together. <laughs> right. Anyway, had a finance degree. I end up in the San Francisco Bay area and I start I become a retail commodities broker, which is the gnarliest of the boiler room telemarketing at mm. the time. Mm. So literal, literally boiler room telemarketing, if that makes sense when I say that to you. Yep. 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 You, got, you got, can hear in the background, all the other guys making the calls when that guy calls you, right? Yes. And you were probably literally dialing pre-auto dialer, as you said. Yep. So I'm dialing Hard like job. mad. What's that? Hard job. Hard job. Oh, it was brutal. I don't, I would, wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I mean, it was no. literally brutal. No, it was, it was brutal. And the people yeah. that I was working with were of sketchy character said with love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> and, and so I'm in it, but I'm just paying my dues, dialing, 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 yeah. learning how to talk on the phone, listening to Zig Ziglar, doing all these things and really learning my chops. So I get two or three years into it. Tech booms in full swing in the San Francisco Bay area. Somebody says to me, Hey, Misha, you know, you are an animal on the phones. Tech is in full swing. Like we need a guy like you selling for us. And so all of a sudden I go from just grinding it out so gnarly to here's stock options. Here's a base salary. Here's a crazy commission structure. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So literally overnight on paper, I'm worth a whole bunch of money due to these stock options. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. It's probably what people went through with Bitcoin. But anyway, next thing overnight, four or five months later, NASDAQ crashes. I don't know if you remember that time. Sure. All my stock options worth nothing. Yeah. And so you have a six month vesting period. Yep. So like month four, I'm like, I can't wait to buy a house or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But yeah. Sorry. Overnight. Literally brutal. worth. Yeah. Brutal. You're talking dot com crash, right? Yep. Dot com yeah. crash. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the time it was such a crazy time. Yeah, it was. Company goes bankrupt. I get a raise to go to another tech company. Yeah. It goes bankrupt. I get another raise to go to Pac Bell at the time. It was, at, yeah, SBC. Yeah. Pac -Bell. Yeah. Um, shoot, what's his name? Cartoonist, no longer very popular, worked at Pac Bell, right? Scott? Yeah. Uh, Gilbert. Gilbert. Yes. Yes. So grinding it out in the corporate structure. And the, the market is so brutal back then. Yeah. It, literally, I worked, I went from knowing from grinding on the phones, having success to that market completely collapsed. I went to SBC Pac Bell and for one year I did not sell one thing. Oof. And I'm a hard worker, right? At especially at the time. So I'm dialing, going on appointments, cold calling, doing everything I can. Not only did I not sell anything, I sold inverse. I got so I got handed this territory and SBC's VPN product at the time was so <laughs> bad. It was so bad. Yeah. Cause telcos were trying to figure out what, what their place was in a package. Yeah. World. Yeah. Right. And the other thing was at the time due to the crazy government regulations, the telcos had the tech, yeah. but they Due to regulation, they couldn't sell it. So we were having to resell third-party services yeah. by law, and right? So we couldn't yeah. sell the yeah. good stuff. Yeah. 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 So we were selling, it was called COVID. I think, no, it was it COVID. It might even literally, the company might've been called COVID. You could look it up, but oh my gosh, that's funny. I, I never yeah. made that connection. Wow. So we're selling this third-party VPN. That's so bad. Yeah. That I get handed this territory. People are backing out of their contact 
their contracts. So not only did I sell nothing, I sold negative. It was brutal. <laughs> anyway, I had. You're making my, me nostalgic, man. <laughs> yeah, right. This is kind of fun. No, it's just so fun telling these stories. Yeah. I, I, I forget them. So here's what happens. I am trying to get a job anywhere doing anything. And I have my wife, Dawn, at the time, who's, as I said, divorced now, but we're great friends. We've been divorced 10, 12, 15 years, something like that. But at the time, I'm married to Dawn. We have Cooper is nine months old. And I am trying to get a job anywhere doing anything. And so SBC, Pac Bell, I was like, I'll move to Wisconsin. I'll climb telephone poles. I'll hang telephone yeah. wire. Like I got a mouth to feed, yeah. right? Tech has completely collapsed. The economy is kind of shaky at best. Yeah. So there's no jobs. Yeah. What my Don's wife's husband, Darren Riley was his name, had been in mortgages, third generation mortgage broker, best of the best mortgage broker you will ever meet. So Darren and his wife had been saying, Misha, they've been telling me for years, you need to get into the, into the mortgage business, you know, finance, you know, you're good with people. You've paid your dues. You know how to dial the phones, you, you, all this stuff. You need to get it in the mortgage business. And for whatever reason, I was like, absolutely not. I don't want to work with family. I'm not moving to San Diego. I get laid off, finally, SBC. I'm trying to find another job. My only option is a job with Theron, Oceanside, California, pack up and leave San Francisco. And I did not want to leave San Francisco. I love San Francisco. And I, was, I thought, you're sentencing me to suburban hell in San Diego. Right. And so I end up in San Diego and 2001 and everything comes together for me in the mortgage business. Everything. The There's what's called the multiple listing service, mm -hmm. sure. the MLS, mm -hmm. which is much more prevalent and known now, but back then yeah. realtors really only knew about it. Yeah. Darren goes, Here's a thing called the MLS where all properties are listed for sale. And here's the password. And I was like, I'm a data guy. Yeah. And I was like, you mean I can log in and download every property listed for sale? And he goes, you sure can. And as the new listings come up, I can know that. He goes, yep. And so I started marketing to him. Sure. I was like, hey, you're selling your current house. You need a new one. So you're probably going to need a home loan. So that was, I'm just dialing for dollars there, start mailing to them. Then a title guy comes to me and says, hey, here's access to a database of every property in California that you can subscribe to. And it's data rich. I'm like, what? I can have access to that? And he goes, you sure can. And so I'm just downloading properties, all the robust information, doing what's called reverse of pans, getting the phone numbers. So I'm mm -hmm. telemarketing, whatever. It just went crazy. And at the time, then, you know, uh, mortgages, real estate. Yeah. Before the pre, pre 08, right? Yeah. So I worked for Wells Fargo Home Mortgage, mm -hmm. which was a paper. There's what's called prime loans, which are the best of the best loans. A paper loans. Wells Fargo is the best of the best. Still is today, although they do some sketchy stuff on the <laughs> banking side. But anyway, um, I, I so I was doing a paper. I was part of the solution, not part of the problem, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But anyway, so even through the meltdown, I thrived. It was just, I'd find the niche, find the, it's just my gift. Fast forward to divorce, financial chaos due to, this was like 2014-ish, 13. I just, parents had died, gotten divorced, more failed relationships. I had money in the bank and I was like burned out. Yeah, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Retired, got my kids through school. And part of my journey is how can I be of service? Like I've just had this prayer and mantra 
this may be way too much information for you, but when I was 17 years old, I got sober. I got clean and sober. I was, I was a derelict, right? And Judge Rank, I graduated Judge Rank. Judge Rank, last day of high school, tells me, you can go to jail for six months or you can go to treatment. And for whatever reason, the path of addiction unfolded in front of me. And I was like, ah, no. So I chose recovery. I've been on straight line recovery ever since. So I'm super active in the recovery community, mentoring people, helping people, you know, change their lives in that regard. But part of that lens is ego reduction. And part of that ego reduction is how can you be of service? So my whole life is, I've always had this prayer and mantra, you know, how can I be of service? What can I bring to the table? And I, I say that before I jump on this with you. And so as I'm getting ready to re-enter the entrepreneurial space, Waylon's about to graduate. It's like, hey, God, how can I be of service? What can I bring to the table here? And mm. fast forward, it's like, help people get their message out. Help people get their message out. Yeah. Waylon for, for Jennings? Yeah, Waylon for Jennings, exactly. And yep. Co Cooper. Cooper. Hockey. <laughs> Well, I'm, I obviously have a Russian name, Russian background, so I don't know if you remember Cooper Hockey Products, but I don't. But yeah. Russians like hockey, so it's uh, like just Cooper. A just a bit. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm curious about your perspective. <clears throat> the The chronology is kind of interesting because you sort of took you, 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 what uh, is not retired, quit, quit, and then unquit. Um. Mm -hmm on either side of arguably the the real explosion of social media especially digital you know everything's on the net in general what looked different as you started sort of walking back into you know you talked about old school what looks different about the new school and what's not actually as different as everybody thinks i love that so what looked different excuse me i'd always had this dream of speaking on stage, selling one to many. Uh, webinars were kind of percolating as I was in the tail end of my mortgage yeah. career. And so all that was put on halt all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, Russell's one of the masters of one to many sales webinars, yeah. those sorts of things. So it was a natural gravitation to him. Um, so love that about online marketing. That was the big thing is like, you can do one to many sales. This type of conversation right here mm -hmm. could be resonating with 30 people sure. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And how powerful is that? And it could be resonating with another 30 people in a year. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really the intriguing thing to me storytelling old school sales is about telling the story i don't care if you're door-to-door -door selling pots and pans selling solar selling siding whether you're going business to business selling t1 lines you know uh, uh tech infrastructure i know what that is <laughs> yeah, i know to, we have to explain it for the audience <laughs> i know one line is like the old school yeah. data line audience, yeah. right? Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. before you could get internet. <laughs> yeah, before you could just call AT and T and say, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd, I'd like, <laughs> I'd like your one, me I'd like your one gigabyte. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. So telling, selling T one lines, DS three lines, and yep. for anybody listening, yep. DS three lines were were the were the dream. Right? Forty five like if I recall. Big, yeah, right? yeah, the big pipes, right? <laughs> big the pipes. big data pipes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, anyhow, uh, uh, what was I saying before so I got just distracted? What's what's oh. uh, you know what's different as you come out the other side of that uh, time away, and 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 the world arguably changed a lot in that period. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just the force of social media, the mm. force of, of, yeah, social media is crazy. The power of email lists. I was heading that direction of, in mortgages of, of, all right, it's, I can, I can 
re-reach out to my existing mortgage customers via email in an effective manner for quarterly reviews for all these sorts of things, right? Do you have a son that needs a loan? Are you getting married, getting divorced, whatever, all these ways to communicate on a, on a, on a bigger level, right. Uh, With mail merge and things like that. And, and so all of a sudden that was put on halt. So to see that exponentially in 2015, 16, what, when did I really start in earnest into this? Uh, 2019, I guess. Well, I, I was just teaching yoga for a while, getting my kids through school, posting on Facebook a little bit, right? But all of a sudden, I'm back in it. Yeah. And it's like, wow, email is king, right? We got to be collecting email addresses. That's very important if you want to re- resell. I think that's missed a lot. A lot of people think that I can just talk on Facebook or TikTok or whatever, but yeah. ultimately, if we're not building that asset of that email list, we're doing ourselves a disservice because TikTok could get shut down by the U.S. government any day, or they Facebook- change their rates or policies or whatever. You don't own your TikTok audience. Absolutely, yep. Facebook. the The very interesting thing when I jumped back into the entrepreneurial space in earnest three, four years ago, whatever it was, as we record this, the iOS change was happening or just about to change. So app privacy protection, you mean? Yep. And so multi-million dollar businesses that were built on Facebook ads and that rich iOS data Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, the Apple data from the phone overnight collapsed. Yep. Yep. And I will. So that was the other thing about guest speaking on podcasts. I was like, we need to learn how to build organic content. We need to learn how to to talk one to many and not be dependent on Facebook ads. The other thing too that is so horrifying, which I just I saw it again and again and again and again, man. And and we still see it today is people trying to learn their message by buying Facebook ads. And you will go broke before you dial in your messaging, before you dial in your product, before you do all this stuff. As far as bootstrapped entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, what have you, small business owners, right? So it's like the, the, the model is literally, from what I've seen and what I believe, and what's the guy's name who speaks to it so well? I can't remember. He's got such a great podcast. It's called the, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm gapping on it. Colin, Colin Boyd. What's his podcast? Everybody should listen to it. But he talks about, because he went through this himself and he speaks to it so eloquently, is learn what your audience wants and needs by having conversations with them. Obviously, how do you do that? You get on podcasts, you get on you know, summits, you, you guess blog, you do all these things. You're, you're, and you're getting that feedback and you're learning, you know, the pain points of your customer, what's their current pain state, what's their future happy state. And how do we become that bridge mm-hmm. as Stu McLaren likes to say? Um, but a lot of people, so you do all that. Once your messaging is dialed in, once you're able to build your business organically, then you go, all right, now I know my messaging. Now I know all this stuff. Now I have all this recon, all this data, or call it what you will, my messaging down. Now apply that to ads. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As versus thinking, yeah, thinking someone's going to sell you that insight. Yeah, absolutely. Hence bad Zuck. Hence bad Zuck. You got it. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> like one that. of the key things that I think people miss that is absolutely in force today, bar none, is follow up, follow up, follow up. Every yeah. Most people think yeah. I'm going to sh- be shiny on Facebook or the social media. Yeah. I'm going to get a lead and it's going to sell itself. Reality is, is you got to follow up, follow up, yeah. follow up. If someone DMs you and says, I'm interested, and you say, great, here's the link to buy, you're probably going to have to follow up three or four or five times. Right. Fortune's in the follow-up. 
rule that we had that I still use today back in the day, and I don't know if it was Zig or Brian Tracy or who it was, but it was five times. Like, count on needing to follow up five times. Yeah. 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 And so, what now? Oh, we can automate all that, right? So, we can. If, a yeah. lot of it. Yeah. A lot, but yeah, I'm, I go back and forth on that. I mean, I, 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 I do the automation stuff as a software developer. Um, I loathe it as a recipient. Like, yeah, you know, when you get a message that's clearly just a crappy mail merge, <laughs> right? Hey, Dr. Yes. Matthew, go the heck away. Like, seriously, you didn't even bother to look at my name. So I know it's a mail merge. Yes. And yeah. well, I think when I say automate it, so yeah. you mean really automate it? Well, to and also building out the templates and the responses. So one thing that I learned, and this holds true today, which I think people don't think holds true, but it absolutely holds true. Back in the day, I would find a new niche. Mm -hmm. I would start marketing to it. And then I would start getting responses. The no's, the, mm -hmm. uh, what do what, I can't remember what we call it, but the no's. And so we need to learn how to meet those objections. So I would start writing down, literally I'd start a new campaign, find a new niche, write the scripts that I thought would work and start testing them in the market. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then people start saying no, no, no. And so you write down the no, I literally would write down the no. Mm -hmm. And so how am I going to meet that? And either I need to tweak my product so I can address it, or I need to learn how to address that as not being a real thing yeah. or what happened. Right. Yeah. And so then you've got a templated response and so when i say automate it i want to write that response one time and then be able to just cut and paste and tweak it a little bit so i'll still hand respond if you want to call it that or sure. by email or something like that but it's like which what's the objection and what what answer do they need now that can be automated on like, yeah once you right? once you learn your market and once you've got product market fit i think yeah. 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 And then it's even a matter of the higher ticket you sell. So you have your company campaign genius.io. You're, you're into email, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you probably have a high ticket solution. I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. Yeah. So the higher ticket, perhaps the higher touch. So that needs a personal DM. Yeah. It needs a personal phone call. It needs yeah. a personal email. Yeah. But realistically, we don't need to rewrite the whole thing. Yeah. We need to just personalize the, yeah. the the template, if that makes sense. Yeah. Take that uh, take that set of insights and and back into our conversation about social media a little bit. Um, seems to me we're at a tension point about what amount of privacy and what amount of convenience, you know, what we're willing to give away and what it costs us in attention when we give that away. And we, we, we're very different in the U S than most other markets. We're we'll, we'll give more away for convenience, but even now we're starting to say, hang on enough. Um, the successor to the app privacy protection that you mentioned is starting to happen now. Uh, the, eventual death of the third party cookie which fundamentally is privacy driven like where wh where does it, where does this go are we going to continue to be an open book for every sales guy are we going to start to close that book a bit how do you, how do you think it's going to pan out yeah that's another great great question i think that definitely the pendulum of privacy is swinging more restrictive if we want to say it that way, which yeah, I don't I think is bad, yeah. right? Um, so I think the more we can craft and hone in our message organically, talking to you right now, I'll debrief after this and I'll go, oh, what a great freaking conversation with Dr. Matthew, right? Like, wow. And so as I can hone, refine, craft that, whoever's best at that, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter how much they restrict the privacy. I'll be mm -hmm. able to speak to an audience effectively for ads yeah. and things like that, if that, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so many people are sloppy with it, right? In the heyday of Facebook ads or 
YouTube ads or things like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. First adapters could just throw spaghetti at the wall and make money. And then as, as those restrictions come in around us, yeah. th those who dial it in the best can still have that positive return on investment or ROI. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, so the, I think the, the example you gave personally of early, early, early use of the MLS data. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I don't think that would fly as well. <laughs> no way, man. You would get, yeah, yeah, I could get away with a lot back then. Right, and people right. were like, that was amazing that you're so smart. And now people would be like, yeah. you're verging on breaking the law. My you're friend. verging on breaking the law. Well, and, and also that, that adoption curve, which you alluded to, it's uh, Ev Rogers um, diffusion of innovation curve, right? Their early adopters will go, Oh, wait a minute. We could do this with it. And there's going to be, enough bad actors in the early adopter or middle adopter stage that that take it too far it that too eventually far. go uh hang on a second let's put some additional rules and breaks and things like that because i really don't want to call about a mortgage i i just don't i get i get occasional uh text messages which irks me to death i get text messages hey do you want to sell you know i'm like a, don't text me. I didn't say you could. And B, I'm like, piss off. No, I don't. I, yeah. I don't even want to have to answer you. Right. <laughs> you know what's so interesting? So you see it on LinkedIn yeah. or or things like that where people automate the reach out process yes. and then LinkedIn's shut you down at 100 yep. emails or 50. Yep. So people yep. get banned or things like that. Or you see that on Instagram or what have you. And yeah. What's interesting is people, there's a whole bunch of data available to people. You can scrape, scrape websites. Sure. You can yeah. scrape, right? And so there's all these scraping bots and people are using AI to yeah. automate the scraping and all this. Yeah. Working with a company that's built on that. Like those are questions that I ask. So there's companies out there that are, they'll help you crush LinkedIn. And so I'm like, well, is your fundamental business based on breaking the rule? That's that door window is going to close. Yeah. 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 Right. I know to answer those questions because I'm yeah. 55 years old and been through it enough and, and, and worked the system yeah. effectively. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I don't want to overplay that, but, but I think that, that, if you find something that works by scraping, for example, can you find the person that's getting that data? I, I don't know if I want to say legally, but uh, has paid Apple for API access. So they're right. So then you're rebuying from Apple, right? Like it's somebody who's legally, ethically, Commercially accessing the data, the API through APIs. I, I don't mean to go too deep techno babble, but there's companies out there that are sure. right that are have API access by paying for API access to different mm -hmm. databases. And it's all databases. We can call it whatever we want. In reality, it's all a database housing certain data. And so can I access that data and I pay somebody to access that data? Um I think I'm going down a rabbit hole. I'll, I'll, should I stop? Or <laughs> well, I mean, we're, the fascinating thing is you can be at you can be at this a long time, and it's going to change around you. And we'll we'll be grappling with some new stuff, and then still have have some of the same um, principle challenges to wrestle with. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, com co companies and people who are of service. And to cut through the noise eventually, because fundamentally what they're trying to do is is going to end up being beneficial to their customer. The ones that are just on the quick, on the cheap, uh, looking to make the sale and then move on, and it's not really of service, hopefully, I'd like to hope that, that yeah. they go out of business. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You just made me think of something else that is an old truth that is a truth now. And so back in the day, so when I started in the late 90s, telemarketing, selling door-to-door, -door, things like that, 
you had to take the risk and put yourself out there. Yeah. yeah. You had to make that first phone call. Yeah. You had to knock on that first door. You had to write that first script and then go test it and try it. Yeah. And I think the illusion is, is that with social media, none of that holds true, but it all holds true. You still, so many of us still need to make that first video, make that first post, make that first offer get the data right it's it's you still have to take the risk and put yourself out there and hopefully learn from it yeah i i wonder i mean we, we talked about this before i hit record that we're you know both both in the two boys club uh as as dads and kids roughly the same age um yeah. the the uh, reduction in willingness to converse face to face is it it's a bit of an unexpected shift and i'm and i'm going to pick on you know i'm going to pick on younger millennials and so on like what do you mean you called me without texting me first like that that sort of ethos and i'm thinking it's it's actually a surprising advantage to be open to and understand the value of putting yourself out there and having the conversation because you always learn stuff that you weren't expecting to learn by by that actual direct engagement not mediated not messaged not in a sense not scripted right that's yeah. where you start going oh that's what they really need or that's what the real problem is not what i thought yeah. it was right yeah and you can't buy facebook ads this kind of goes back to your facebook you can't buy facebook ads to let you know what you don't know but you can get that out of a conversation Absolutely. And yeah, yes. Hmm. I did a podcast episode. I wish I remember the, the number of it, but I had that epiphany just that you talked about mm -hmm. where I was like, I'm just going to pick up the phone and call this person and close the deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I started doing that, right? This was within the last two years where I was like, really? <laughs> all that person needs is a little high touch. Yeah. We'll pick yeah. them up and call them. Yeah. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so many people won't do that or they're trying to outsource it too. So everything's trying to be outsourced appointment setters, this, that, the other thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like where it's like, I'll, I'll do what we used to say back in the day, or you'd hear people would say, if I could just, if I'm great at closing the deal. It's like, no, you're not. Cause you're not good at getting the pipeline full. Like that, that yeah. it, people who, I don't know. This is could be a really funny rant, but you know, people want to pay to get their appointment set, and then people want to pay to have the deal closed. People don't want to work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 you know, I want to automate yeah. all that. I wonder, I, I, I wonder about that. I mean, with it, it'd be cliche for for a couple of guys of our generation to say, "Well, these kids, these kids don't want to work." I, I don't think that's. I don't think that's actually true. I think what they, I think what work they think is necessary may be different than how they're being shaped to work. I love that. That's a, such a great way to say it. Yeah. They're, my boys are more than willing to work and have Me paid too. their dues and, yeah, and, yeah. and love it and have great worth ethic, work yeah, ethics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah However, yeah. I think the, general perception with social media and all that is like all you have to be an influence oh you just be an influencer tell your story and you'll magically money will appear right yeah <laughs> or what what's the one what drives me nuts right uh i'm gonna be a thought leader like well maybe you should start with thinking and seeing if you have something worth saying before you and then we'll decide if you're leading or not honestly let the audience uh let the audience oh tell you, or market tell you that <laughs> yeah so good <laughs> Oh, so good. Hey, one other one other question before we wrap. Um, and it's it's really relevant to what you're doing with podcasts. Like, you look at the panoply of equipment in your office, in my office. You know, we get high def cameras, mics on, booms. You know, machines recording stuff, AI transcribing as we're going. None of this stuff existed like six eight years ago. You wouldn't do this. Boom. And like everybody is NBC, CBS, ABC themselves sitting in their office now. Isn't that just 
wild? It is wild. The the barrier to entry to having your own TV yeah. show, your CBS. What barrier? Right? See, there is none. There right? is none. Like we've there got a TV none. show in here, right? Oh, it's Boom. so crazy. Boom. Is it gonna is it gonna last? Like podcast specifically. Let's pick on that since that's your area of expertise. Um it it seems like we're in a boom for podcast which is a, is a kind of a cool surprise to me actually um but you also see the beginnings of pullback spotify kind of backing off on level of investment and stuff like that where like where do you think this goes i think again with the barrier to entry being so low yeah that I don't know if we've reached peak podcast creation. How about that? Yeah. Right. Um, so I don't know. There's four or five million podcasts. Wow. And counting, right? Wow. And I'm sure it'll be six million or seven million next year. The the yeah. the dirty little secret is that the bulk of the podcasts, like a re, like fifty percent or more, don't yeah. make it past three episodes. Yeah. Eighty yeah, percent don't make it past ten episodes. Really? Yeah, it's wow. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's called pod fade. There's a term for it. Pod fade. <laughs> Your episode number one hundred two, by the way, for the future of email. Uh, amazing. It's so good. That's <laughs> that that shows uh, a passion for it. For one, well, a labor of love too. Right. That that willingness to keep at it. I love statistics, and when I got my finance degree, I took a lot of statistics classes, and I had this amazing teacher named Dean. I wish I could remember his last name, but Dean had us do these statistical models where <clears throat> basically we proved, and it still holds true today. Most people don't want to believe it, but that statistically speaking, you have as much chance as being correct in consistently picking stocks as you do flipping as choosing heads or tails on a coin. Yeah. Okay. So what, what that means is that statistically speaking, if we got 10,000 people flipping coins, one of those people would guess right a hundred times. Right. And we would say that guy's a genius. We'd be like, this is the most incredible thing I have ever seen. That guy somehow knows the weight, the, 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 thumb trajectory, the whatever, the wind speed, right? But it's statistics. One person is going to get lucky. Um, the numbers might not yeah. hold yeah. this thing, but you get what I'm saying, yeah. right? Yeah. Same thing with stock pickers. There's no, statistically speaking, somebody is going to get lucky and pick right X percent of the time. And we're going to think it's going to, because of smarts, because of this, because of that, the la, 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 la. So what we did was, and the way you ultimately prove that is you do it over 10 year holding periods. Mm, right. So statistically speaking, a stock picker who was great for 10 years, statistically wasn't great the next 10 years. And mm. it's just proven again and again and again. And again. Mm. So anyway, thank you for following this line of thinking. So with podcasts, with 4 million podcasts out there, statistically, mm. somebody's going to get lucky and hit it right out of the gate. Yeah. yeah. It's just going to happen. Right message, right. Honestly, bunch of somebody, accidents, right? Yeah. Bunch of accidents. And even that, yeah. I'll listen to some of these massive podcasts and I'm like, it's painful for me to listen to. <laughs> right. I'm like, I, I don't get it. Right. And that's not to say it's bad. It's just to say, yeah, for whatever reason, that statistically, that one, boom. That right? one took off. Well, do you remember that, Chris Anderson's book, The Long Tail? Um, uh, no, but it sounds like I need to read it. That, that'd be a good. It's, uh, gosh, I think Long Tail is almost 20 years old. But in brief, Chris Anderson, former editor of Wired Magazine, said, here's an interesting observation. Half of Amazon sales come from a tiny number of books and half come from the long tail, which is a power curve, always shows up in nature. I am I am sure without looking at a single stat that the listenership of podcasts is long tail. A few of them at the head get half the views 
And then it tails off where most of them are, you know, five, 10, two, my mother and some other friend kind of thing, right? So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So check it out. I'll tell you some cool things about podcasting. And I don't know if I answered your question, but I'll tell you my experience with it. Okay. So, and, and the question was, where do I see this going? I think yeah. podcasting has legs. I think that it will be, continue to have legs. I think quality conversations will stand out like this kind of conversation right here. Mm -hmm. Clearly, if somebody stumbled across this upon this episode and they wanted to learn about sales, marketing, yeah. Yeah. from a couple of old dogs, man, great, great episode, right? Great experience for somebody to glean and pull and 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 learn from and be inspired from, right? So I think that podcasting as a tool for that mm -hmm. and, and people you know, creating their own ads and things like that, uh, stations and things is going to, going to go, but what happened to TV, right? Pretty soon it was regulated. There's a great chance that, that somebody says in America, like you need to start a podcast. You need a license. You need to have these credentials. You just, not anybody can just start talking about whatever they want. Interesting. It sound, might sound crazy, but that's what we do yeah. in America. Hmm. We're like, it's like zero barrier to entry. And then yeah. there's a barrier to entry. So maybe that happens. Maybe not. Maybe it's like, what are you going to talk about? Oh, you can't, you have to be licensed to talk about that or something. I could see. I'll make you, I'll make you a counter. I'll make you a counter. Uh, prognostication. Yeah. Given the, the digital basis of podcasting, it's equally likely that we'll see a monopoly or probably a duopoly end up with choke point control of distribution. Spotify's arguably we started to head that head that direction. And Apple's got obviously pretty big influence there. And if they decided they actually really cared about it, think of it like compare compare podcasts to the app store, right? Not a whole lot of rules. We can start one. Getting an app in the app store actually takes some work because there's rules and barriers to hop through. If, if, if there are a small enough number of companies in the catbird seat controlling it, and they'd start, it, it's, it's, the, it's the digital era version of regulation, right? Love it. Yeah. You know what's interesting about that? You just made me think too. You know how companies will want to go public? And mm -hmm. so instead of going through all the regulation, uh, S, who was at the SEC, yeah. Security and Exchange, Exchange Commission. Commission yeah. yeah. Instead of going through all that, they'll go buy a stock that's yeah, in, in effect just sitting there. The, yeah. the company's not real, or it's not that it's not real, but it's not doing anything. Yeah, and reverse so merger people... to get the ticker symbol. Exactly. Yeah. I could, so you just made me think that when those choke points start happening and they will, they will, there's just no way around it. Probably. Yeah. Right. Like we were down to Facebook and YouTube and TikTok somehow came in into the fray, but interesting, the, right. Yeah. Interesting how they did. Yeah. There might be value in there'll be some sort of grandfathered thing. Right. So if you have an app in the app store, <laughs> right. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Your your podcast is grandfather. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Right. And so then all of a sudden these old podcasts will have value because they're right in, in the ecosystem already. Yeah. But I'll tell you, podcasting to me, the illusion is that we need to speak on Joe Rogan's podcast. The reality is, is with what I do and my price point and how I serve people, if you have a captive audience of 10 people or 20 people, if you have 20 downloads, 10 downloads, and that they're willing, to, that, that is value to me and how I can repurpose this content, hmm. right? So if somebody said to me, hey, Misha, or I said to you, hey, you can go speak on a stage in front of 10 or 20 people and talk about what you do. And they are probably interested. Is that a value to you? Right, right. Yeah, it is yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so okay. And then podcasts come and go, right? Yeah. Podcasts come and go. And so you'll see someone start with that three episodes and then stop. And then all of a sudden they're starting again. Mm -hmm. So I think there's that. The other thing is 
I interviewed along the way, I've got to interview some bigger people on my podcast, bigger, whatever that means, but like people that have followings and power or call it what you will, they're not sharing it with their audiences. You know what I figured out? People that are sometimes not interviewed on a podcast ever, and they're passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. And then they speak on a podcast. They share it with everybody they know. I was just on a podcast. They share right, with family, right. Friends, yeah. Associates, right? Yeah. It's this illusion of like, I get Joe Rogan on there. I mean, Joe would be great because all of a sudden, but you get what I'm saying. Like there's this idea that, that I need to be targeting certain people. Like if I'm looking for podcast growth, maybe interview people that aren't always interviewed. Mm. Yeah. Then they're going to share it with everybody. So that sure. is, I figured that out. That's like that's a great way to go. Like if you want to get some quick subscribers, some quick, some quick new audience. Anyway, yeah. there you go. There's a there's a there a you go. We should we you. should wrap. But uh, hopefully, someone listens to this uh, set of insights that you shared. Where do they where do they come find you if they go? Oh, I want to talk to this guy. Yeah. So badzuck.com. You can badzuck, always go that's to right. badzuck.com. badzuck.com. Yeah, I love that. And I then, will always remember that now. Yeah. And then uh, my my podcast is the Table Rush Talk Show, the Table Rush Talk Show. Okay. And then obviously you can always DM me on Facebook. So there's not many Misha Zvagansofs out there. Well, Misha, yeah, so. it has been a fantastic conversation. I am so glad we connected and that you made the time to uh, to come on and talk with me. Matthew, it's been amazing. Doctor Dunn, if that's more appropriate, thank you for having me. <laughs> I just do that to annoy people on LinkedIn. Thanks. We're out.